Hello, welcome to Reference Desk, a performing arts and culture podcast. I'm your host, Garth Grimble, and in each episode, I'll explore a piece of dance culture with references, popular, personal, and otherwise. I'll share a companion video link so y'all have a visual reference of what I'm talking about. Let's get into it. At the start of quarantine, I watched one video on YouTube five times a day for about a week. During my daily internet K-hole, I came across the Pitchfork Guide, Stevie Nicks, Her Life and Art in 33 Songs. As a fan and a procrastinator, I dove in. For her song Wild Heart, the Pitchfork editors write, quote, there is the official version of Wild Heart, and there is the definitive version. The official version opens Nix's 1983 solo album with a six-minute power drive from one triumphant apex to the next. Huge drum fills, elaborate melismatic runs. The definitive version was recorded more or less accidentally two years earlier, as Nix prepared for a photo shoot. In a grainy video clip that has assumed mythic status among her fans, she sways and sings along to a bare-bones instrumental track while a makeup artist works on her face. She and a backup singer vamp sweetly on an early version of the Wild Heart Chorus, without any of the bombast that would come later, just two voices ringing like bells in the night. They are ostensibly rehearsing, but what you're witnessing has the quality of a prayer, a humble outward expression radiating from a deep inner wellspring. The makeup artist soon ceases her work but remains transfixed in place. The camera operator seems to sense they're getting something important and shakily tightens the shot. It's a document of an era-defining performer in an unguarded moment of musical communion. I had never seen or heard this beloved rock and roll artifact. I clicked on the link to the definitive version, watched it once, then again, and again, for a week straight. Watching it doesn't feel like any contemporary video of someone singing while being filmed. There was a moment trapped in amber quality, not just because it's from three decades ago. The relationship to the camera and to being filmed is different. Stevie Nicks was by then already a global superstar, but like the Pitchfork piece says, it feels so unguarded. It feels vulnerable, not performative. Within vulnerability is trust. The relationship of Nicks and her makeup artist takes on a whole new meaning in the era of COVID. The makeup artist is intimately touching her face while she sings. When she gives up on doing makeup, she maintains a close proximity to bask in the impromptu performing, this physical connection brings me to semiotics. Semiotics is the study of signs and symbols and their use or interpretation. I am no philosopher. The clearest and most illustrative example of semiotics I know is Hal Fisher's photography series, Gay Semiotics from 1977. The photographs feature men in different styles of dress and presentation, and in text describes the meaning behind each presentation 
like archetype of Western, archetype of Urbane, dominance, submission, leather, and it gets more specific in accessories. What does an earring mean in the right or left ear signify? What about the colors of a handkerchief? The photographic series explores the way we create signs and symbols and how we read them. Whether or not we realize it, I think we've all become spatial semioticians. Walking outside is now an improvised dance of negotiating a six-foot distance. When to seed way, when to take the street over the sidewalk. How do you read someone who disregards spatial recommendations? How do you read those who take it to extremes? When wearing a mask, are you making less eye contact or more? Do you try to signify a smile or confirmation to passers-by with your eyes? If I'd seen the Stevie Nicks video before March, I don't think I'd have considered the proximity of Stevie and the makeup artist. Discovering post-shelter-in-place, it was one of the first things to strike me. When will it be okay to casually be close to one another? To touch and be touched without alarm? We are all tasked with taking on new responsibilities socially and personally. As we maneuver and learn how to exist in this pandemic, I'm challenging myself to see the person and not just the space around them. From a safe distance, of course. Thank you so much for listening to the first season of Reference Desk. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be taking a break to prepare for season two. This season was a lot of figuring it out as I go, and looking back, I think there is a loose theme of life and quarantine. I plan to make a more thematically cohesive season two. I hope y'all are safe and healthy wherever you are. Talk soon. That concludes this week's episode of Reverence Desk. The theme music is composed by Heather Stockton. You can find more information at Reference Desk Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>